Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode seven of Personalities. Our caller today shares some very sweet stories with us about his two cats. One he grew up with and the other that he fostered later on. It's about friendship. It's about enduring through love. And sadly, it's about loss. But it reminds us that the sense of loss can feel so big, but not as big as how much we gain from the joy of having a cat. Let's listen. So my name's Suna, and I'll be talking about two cats that I've had in my life named Alex and Junior. So first, I'm going to talk about Alex. So I got Alex when I was about five years old. Uh, me, my dad, my uncle, and my cousin went to Petco, and uh, we were looking for a cat. So Alex was actually the only blonde cat in the room, and that set him apart. There was a cat with a mustache that I almost also got because he had a mustache, but I didn't and chose Alex. Alex was uh, playing with his uh, siblings. It was really cute. So I chose Alex, and then we put him in his little box, and uh, we then drove around Pet, uh, Petco, and then me and my cousin would put our fingers in the box, and he would attack them. And then we brought him home to our house and then as soon as we brought him in he started crying and then my sister heard him from upstairs and ran down uh screaming oh my god we got a kitten and then that's how we got alex uh so uh when alex was a kitten he was afraid of the tv he was afraid of the toilet uh and I think that was pretty much it. He he roamed around the entire house. He really liked Sarah a lot. Uh, he used to... Uh, I used to play with him rough, and I'd pick him up and hug him, and then he would attack me in the head. He was... Yeah, he was really, really cute. He's a... He was dirty blonde. He was light brown and white. And... Uh, to this day, I haven't seen a cat that has looked like him. And I volunteered at a shelter for like three years and hope to go back to volunteering. But he's, he was very unique looking and he also had a very unique personality. He would hide under the stairs when he was a kitten and then he would attack anyone who walked up the stairs and my mom was scared of him. And that was really funny. So I grew up with Alex, as did Sarah, my sister, and uh, I felt as if uh, he was my brother, because we pretty much grew up together. I Like I said, I got him when I was five, and he was, I think, about four or five months when we got him. And then we both uh, grew up together. And it was funny how we also both grew up in so grew in size. I got a lot bigger than him. But, yeah, he was just like my brother. Uh, there was only a five-year, a four-and-a-half-year age difference. And I always looked at him uh, more as my best friend and brother than, like, a pet. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I grew to love Alex a lot. And I would say Alex was the reason why I love cats and love animals today. And why I have a strong uh, sense of preservation and conservation for the environment. 
he really molded my personality in a way because, uh, yeah, it was just ingrained in me that like an animal could be your best friend. Like, yes, you guys are very, you're very different and they don't talk, but you're also very similar and a lot of love can be, uh, a lot of love can grow there and they can be like a family member. So, uh, so eventually my sister ended up going to school, going to college and moving out. And I was still in high school at the time. And I grew even closer to Alex because Alex, Sarah used to be Alex's favorite. And then when she left for a while, uh, he shifted gears a little bit and, he started sleeping next to me and we just spent a lot more time together and we got closer, which I, which I really liked. Um, whenever, whenever uh, my sister did come home, he was always really happy to see her and he would sleep on her bed. And then I would try to, uh, while Sarah was sleeping and while Alex was on the bed, I'd try to sneak in and try to pet him. And then I wake Sarah up 95% of the time. And then she, she would get really mad. And Alex would just be sitting on the bed purring. And it was always really funny. Uh, and then I ended up going to school uh, and moving out. Uh, but it was really important to me to continue to just visit him because I missed him a lot. And so I would visit every weekend or every other weekend. And he was older at that time. When I moved out, he was about uh, maybe 13, 12 or 13. Um, and I would worry because he was, that, he, that's pretty old for a cat. And I just didn't want anything bad to happen to him while I was gone. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would visit a bunch. And whenever I would visit on Friday, I would, he'd be in Sarah's room sleeping on the sofa and then I would uh, walk upstairs and sneak up next to him and then he would wake up and you could see uh, you could see his his face change you could see him get really happy and he would get excited and he would start purring and then we'd both go downstairs together and then I would open the backyard door and I would let him go outside because that was one of his favorite things to do and then he would go and he would uh, walk straight to his favorite bush. And then he would sit there for as many hours as he'd let him. And it was just really sweet. Uh, sometimes, uh, when he was younger, he would escape. When we let him outside the back door, he would go to his bush. And then uh, we'd be inside. And we'd check on him like every five to ten minutes. But every once in a while, I would go outside. And then he would be gone. And then we would look around the entire backyard to try to find him. And then the majority of the time he would escape under the fence and go sit next to uh, the rose, a rose bush in the front yard. And it was uh, really funny, but also very panic inducing. So uh, Alex had a couple of health problems throughout his life. Uh, the first one stemmed from... Uh, him being addicted to human food, which we caused. Uh, so it's funny. The first time he had hu the first time he had human food, it's actually my grandma's fault. 
So she had made me a waffle and put it outside on the uh, dining room table. And then she called me and said, uh, like, dinner's ready. Come get your waffle. And then I came outside and there was no waffle. And I was, I was, I was asking her where the waffle was. And then I looked, I pulled the tablecloth up. And lo and behold, Alex was down there uh, with only half of my waffle left. And he was going to town. And he was eating it pretty fast. And that was the first time he really had human food. And then we started giving him, like, deli meat. He loved turkey. That was one of his favorite foods. Uh, We'd give him eggs in the morning with us when we were eating. And he loved string cheese as well. And he would just get... Uh, really excited whenever we made breakfast. He would run down the stairs. He would sit next to us on the sofa. If you opened up a string cheese from anywhere in the house, he had the sound memorized and he would run towards it. But, uh, yeah, so he actually ended up developing stomach problems uh, when he was about eight, maybe. He developed uh, inflammatory bowel disease, but that was very manageable. Uh, we were really good about taking Alex to the vet because we loved him so much. Uh, so that was a manageable thing. When he was about 10, uh, we, me, my sister, and my mom were in the kitchen, and I saw Alex, his leg was trembling, uh, which was super weird, and then I touched his elbow, and there was a large, really jagged growth on his elbow that was very unexpected. We were uh, taken aback. It was very, yeah, it just it just felt very disturbing. And then we took him, we, we knew it definitely wasn't a good thing. And then we took him to the doctor. And then uh, we found out he had bone cancer in his elbow. So they gave us the... Uh, they give us the two options of uh, putting him down or amputating uh, his left leg, his left front leg, uh, and having him live with three legs from then on. So uh, he was up nine or ten at that time, and he had a long he. We thought he had a lot of a lot of years to live after that, so we definitely weren't going to put him down. So we decided to go with the amputation. And then, uh, yeah, he learned how to walk again very quickly. He did struggle at first, but um, it was really a great example to how uh, resilient animals are. Uh, he was in bad shape and for maybe the first week or two, uh, but then he learned how to walk after about a month, maybe three weeks. Um, and yeah, he just got back to normal. He was doing all of his normal stuff again. He'd go outside. He, yeah, he was back to himself. So in less than a month, he learned how to live without a leg. And that was a testament to how resilient he was. Uh, a couple of years after that, uh, he had another medical, a medical problem. It was a, a blood clot. And he powered through that as well. Um, yeah, the general theme of Alex's life is whenever he was sick with pretty much anything, 
and these were serious like sicknesses he always yeah he always got through them he always endured and i'd like to believe that uh the reason he endured and got through the worst of situations and the worst health problems is because he was really happy uh because he knew how much we loved him and he just wanted to continue living and continue uh just living with us uh he ended up uh passing when he was 16 on uh January 9th 2018 2018 2019 i believe it was it was 2018 he passed when he was uh 16 he actually got cancer again uh but this time it had spread through his body um and there was no fighting that as much as he tried uh but yeah, Alex played a huge role in forming uh, how I look at the world and how I look at uh, animals in general, and the compassion that I have towards them. Uh, he was a really he was really funny, and he was always filled with love. Um, and uh, I miss him. I miss him every time I think about him. Uh, we ended up burying him underneath. Uh, his favorite bush, as I said, he would sit outside. He would walk outside, then go under his bush and sit there for like four hours. Even if it was raining, he would go to the same spot. And that's where we ended up burying him. And whenever I'm home, I go outside and I touch where he's buried and I talk to him a little bit. And yeah, he was just, he was just the best pet. Uh, so now I'm going to talk a little bit about Junior. So after Alex uh, passed away, um, I was certain that I wasn't going to get another cat uh, because I just did not want to go through uh, the experience of loss again after getting very attached to them and loving them. I would volunteer at the shelter and that would be my way to, to help animals and help cats. Um, maybe like five or six months after I started volunteering at the Humane Society, uh, I saw, uh, one day I was volunteering and saw two 16-year-old cats that were brought in. Uh, they were brothers. They were named Julian and Junior. So, uh, as soon as I saw them, and as soon as I got off my shift, I called Sarah and told her, Sarah, my sister, and told her about the two 16-year-old cats. and. We both felt like really bad because they were 16 years old and no one really adopts 16 year old cats that are in a shelter. I imagine uh, they would have been in there for a very long time. Uh, so Junior and Julian were actually a bonded pair, which meant they had to be adopted together because they were brothers and were together for so long. They were together their entire lives. And I think that played a part in them not being adopted because uh, for about two, three months, they were there, and they were not being adopted. So me and Sarah talked about it, and we decided that we were going to, uh, we were going to adopt. We were going to foster the two brothers, Julian and Junior. And uh, then I went in uh, to volunteer and play with them some more. And then Junior actually was not there. Julian was, but Junior wasn't. So. I was like, oh, Junior got adopted. I was pretty happy about it. And then I asked about Junior, and they said 
He was actually in the back, um, being scheduled to be put down because he showed early signs of kidney disease. And the shelter has a policy of not uh, adopting out sick cats. So, um, yeah, so me and Sarah decided to, so I reached out to, um, I reached out to the staff and I uh, shared that, I mean, my sister wanted to foster, uh, junior and, uh, prevent him from being put down. And they were ecstatic about that because they didn't want to put him down. It was just, yeah, it, it was just policy. So, uh, the thing about kidney disease is junior could have had a couple months, uh, to a year, to a year and a half. It's really hard to pinpoint when exactly the kidney disease will get worse and when they will deteriorate. Uh, but yeah, me and Sarah decided to uh, foster Junior. Oh, so after you adopted Junior, but what happened to Julian? Oh, Julian got a, got adopted by someone. Literally before we picked up Junior, he got adopted. Oh. As soon as they stopped being a bonded pair, someone came and adopted Julian. But Junior wasn't available anymore because he's got kidney disease. They look the exact same. It's really funny. Julian just looks like a scruffy Junior. I have pictures of them both. They look identical. And originally, Junior was going to stay at uh, my sister's place. Uh, but she was uh, not in town at the time. She was in a different country. Uh, so we actually brought him to my parents' house, which I... Uh, I think I, I was living there at the time because summer summer had just started. It was in May. Uh, and I was going to be living there uh, for the summer. And I visit home often. So we brought him to my parents' house. And then, uh, yeah, that started our whole, our whole Fospis situation with uh, Junior. And uh, as soon as we brought Junior, well, Junior meowed the whole time in the car all the way up to my parents' house. And then when he brought him inside, and I took him to my room because I didn't want him to be overwhelmed. But I made the mistake of leaving the door open. Uh, Junior, I let, we let him out, me and my mom let him out of the cage, and then he started rubbing on my mom, and he looked really happy. Um, and then uh, things, quickly, things quickly changed directions, and then he ran under, uh, my, he ran under my sister's bed. And uh, started hissing and growling. Me and my mom joked uh, that he uh, realized that he didn't know who we were uh, and where he was. And then uh, shifted gears because uh, it was a very sudden change. Like he was really lovey-dovey. And then after like a minute, he was like, where am I? Um, so he was actually under there for two or three days and we'd bring him food and we'd try to get him to come out. And then one day I was at a party at my friend's house and my mom called me and she was, uh, yeah, she was like, guess you'll never believe where, what Junior's doing and where he is. And then she told me he had come downstairs and then was sitting with my parents and was like rolling around on the sofa. And I was shocked because that was a huge change from the growling and hissing underneath the bed. And then, uh, yeah, and then that was the start of Junior becoming uh, the sweetest cat to, to ever exist. He 
uh, would uh, try to convince me to, to let him sleep with me. And at the time, I was just kind of keeping him in Sarah's room. I didn't want to get too attached to Junior because I didn't want to uh, love him and then have him pass because he was 16 years old and he had a terminal disease. Uh, so I was just trying to give him a nice living situation. Uh, but then he coerced me into letting him out of Sarah's room at night. Um, and then he started sleeping on the bed with me in my room. And then uh, he would sleep under my legs at night. Uh, and it was super, super funny. He would sleep under the covers in between my legs, which is really unusual. And he, one day I walked into my sister's room. Uh, this was maybe three weeks after having him. And I couldn't find him. Um, and I looked around, so I looked around the entire house because I'd, I'd closed the door on him. So he should have been there. I looked around the entire house and I was like shocked that I couldn't find him. I called my mom and then I went back up to the room and then I saw the comforter move a little bit and I was like, no way. And then I pulled it, I pulled it up and he was just sleeping under the comforter. And that's when we learned, uh, that one of Junior's talents was he would dig underneath because it was it was a made bed. He would dig underneath the covers to get under the sheets and just sleep there. And Alex had never done that before, so I didn't know cats did that. I didn't know they could do that. Um, yeah, and then we realized Junior was a digger. And then he would proceed to, uh, throughout the time of us having him, I couldn't leave my laptop on the bed because he would dig underneath the sheets and he would do it with such force he would knock everything on the off the bed. Uh, a couple of times, my laptop was on the edge of the bed uh, due to him pushing it uh, inadvertently, trying to get to like a really comfortable spot to sleep. But yeah, Junior was uh, the sweetest cat I've ever had. Very cuddly. He would sleep on my dad uh, while my dad watched TV. Uh, he would stretch like Superman on the ground. He would throw himself on the ground. I couldn't exercise on the yoga mat because whenever I laid on the ground, he would come and sit next to me in between my legs. I couldn't do anything. Uh, and he just loved being with people. Uh, he liked people and interaction more than he actually liked eating. Uh, people and getting pet was his, like, his top priority. He was very, very sweet. Um, uh, we have a lot of funny stories with Junior, but one of the funniest to me, um, it was maybe, it was towards when we first got him. Uh, me and my mom were upstairs in my room, and then I heard, we both heard a really loud bang downstairs. And then we went downstairs, and Junior was in the trash can eating trash. Um, he had knocked over the trash can. And then we started calling him Trash Cat. Uh, he he also had the same coloring as a raccoon. So it was it was really funny. So uh, we scolded him, and then I threatened to take him back to the shelter if he ever knocked the trash can over again. And then ten minutes later, he uh, we were back upstairs, and then I heard another loud bang. And then he ran downstairs, and he was in the trash can again. And then he <laughs> he kept eating the trash. <laughs> And he was, 
It was just so funny. Uh, he would grunt. He wouldn't really meow. He would grunt a lot. Only did meow. His meows were like half meows, and they're very high pitched. Um, and he was just really, he was just really sweet and really cute. Um, he would at night if he knew when he saw my dad getting up out of his chair, he would run upstairs and go dig under the sheets in my parents' bed and wait for my dad to come up and then sleep underneath my dad's legs. And me and my friend Ferran, I used to joke that uh, Junior was a, a thrill seeker because he would sleep under my dad's legs and my dad's legs are huge and he would like be right under them. And if my dad moved, he would like crush him, but he didn't care. He would just sleep there every night. And there were a couple of times where I'd walk inside at my parents' room to get Junior and bring him to my room because uh, sometimes he would disturb them sleeping because he would step on the pillows next to their head and go to the litter box and stuff. And then I would lift the covers up at night and then just see Junior intertwined in uh, the branches that were my dad's legs. And it was really funny. And then I'd take him, and he would go. He would go sleep with me. Um, but yeah, uh, eventually, uh, kidney disease, Junior's kidney disease, got worse, and it caught up to him. Um, and then we had to every night give him an IV to get some fluid to pump out his system. Um, and uh, Junior lived for he lived with us for a year and. A couple months he passed on August 12th, uh, 2020. Sorry, 2019. He passed on August 12th, 2019. Um, uh, we had to get him put down because eventually the kidney disease was too much and he started deteriorating very quickly. Uh, but he was always very, very happy and sweet and always wanted to see us. Uh, there was one time. We took him to the vet. Um, I I believe this was on the onset of his kidney disease when it started spiraling, uh, but it was sort of still in a manageable stage. So we took him to the kidney. We took him to the doctor, the vet, and he had to stay there overnight. And when we came to get him the next day, uh, he was so so happy to see my mom and I. Like he was, he started rolling on the ground. And he was just, uh, you could tell he like really didn't want us to leave again and that he was really happy to see us. And yeah, and then we took him home. And uh, yeah, Junior was and will always be uh, the sweetest and kindest cat uh, that I've ever met. And I also miss him every day. We got him uh, cremated. And because Junior loves people, he loved people throughout his life. And throughout his time with us, uh, we keep his box in my mom's room. And when I, whenever I visit and when I was living there, I would keep it uh, with me. If I went downstairs, I'd bring it downstairs. If I was in my room, I'd bring it to my room. Because he just really loved being with people. Um, and yeah, I could talk about Junior and Alex all day. Uh, but that's going to wrap it up for now. And... Yeah, they they just had a huge influence on my life. And 
uh, who I am today. Thank you, Suna, for sharing those nice stories about Alex and Junior. They're both wonderful cats. We miss them every day. I'm happy to have shared them with you. Well, everyone, I don't know if y'all picked up that the Sarah that our caller was talking about was me. Alex was also my childhood cat, and I was, in fact, his favorite. But because I left for a few years, Suna formed a very strong bond with Alex. And when he passed away, it was a very hard loss. But as Suna says, Alex and Junior had a huge influence on our lives. And they showed us with love, one can really endure a lot. It's been four years since Alex passed away and about three since Junior's passing. But their memory stays strong. And... Through learning how to care for Alex, Suna was able to care for Junior, another senior cat that had so, so, so much love to give. Thank you, Suna, for sharing the story of Alex and Junior with everyone, and your love for them means that they'll always be in your heart, and mine too. Let's move on to our Cat of the Week segment. This cat has the coolest name. His name is breakfast sandwich. Mm, what's your favorite kind of breakfast sandwich? <laughs> or you can also call him B-Man. And not only is he super cute, but he also teaches us about his condition. And let me see if I can pronounce this correctly. Cerebellar hypoplasia or hypoplasia, which is also known as wobbly cat syndrome. And we found breakfast sandwich on TikTok. His handle is little dot Tunny, T-U-N-N-Y. We'll post it on Instagram. And I've seen videos about this condition before, but never really looked into it. And I'm sure you've seen it too. It's when the cats are really wobbly and they can't really walk in a straight line or control their movements and they just wobble all over the place. And it turns out it's a neurological condition that affects their balance and coordination. And through this video, I found out that it doesn't cause any pain and the cats can actually live really happy and full lives. So we'll link the video and our TikTok on our Instagram. It's really sweet. It's really informative. And it's also really funny. The video has everything. So we hope you take a look. That's our show for today. Thank you all for listening. This episode holds a special place in my heart. And I hope that you all enjoyed hearing about Alex and Junior. Some of Suna's stories even brought up new memories for me. And if you have experienced some loss, I hope that it brings up nice memories of funny, loving, and sweet moments that you've had with your cats, too. If you want to be on an episode of Personalities, let us know. You can reach out to us on Instagram at Personalities Podcast. That's also where we post about all of our cat guests and pictures and TikToks and our cat of the week, everything that we talk about, you can find it there. You can also email us at submissions at purpodcast.com. That's P-U-R-R podcast.com. And our website, of course, is purpodcast.com. Please rate us, follow, subscribe, whatever it is, wherever you're listening to us and have a great day.